Hey everyone, this is Luke. I am coming to you guys post-editing of this episode, and let me tell you, it is a banger. There are some certified gems in here, but um, some of the audio is just a little bit wonky, and I wanted to give you a heads up before you before you start listening to it. Um, if you're listening with headphones, just be warned. Uh, you might want to keep it at a little bit lower of a volume, but um, please enjoy the episode, and... Uh, here come the book club boys. So there he goes, and here I am, with no attorney, slumped on a red plastic stool in Wild Bill's tavern, nervously sipping a Budweiser in a bar, just coming awake to an early morning rush of pimps and pinball hustlers, with a huge red shark just outside the door, so full of felonies that I'm afraid to even look at it. Welcome back to the book club boys. My name's Luke. I'm joined by Sam, Max, and Adam, the same four guys you've grown to love over the past three episodes. <laughs> guys, how are we doing tonight? Dude, I'm doing just fantastic. I got some ASMR for you guys, some uh, some lovely some lovely waves to go into your ear holes, and uh, yeah, doing pretty fantastic. Thanks for asking, Luke. Well, I'm really glad to hear that, Sam. Thanks for tuning in again to our to our sultry, smooth oh tones. <laughs> We're about to get sued by NPR. <laughs> yeah, for real, bro. Like, bro. Hey, NPR, NPR cannot monopolize, cannot monopolize soft-spoken white boys. Okay, like that's no, I think they, I think they have. <laughs> yeah, if, if there was a monopoly, it would be NPR. Oh, man. Um, that's right, everybody. If you couldn't tell, Sam and I have just gotten brand new microphones. Oh, courtesy. At least mine was courtesy of Luke. I don't know about you, Sam. If you got your special order online or whatever. But uh, if we're sounding even better than before, it's because we've all quit our jobs. We're doing this full time. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but we are actually putting some effort into the production. Yeah, it's um, crazy. And I actually am quitting my job. Hey-o. And uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. And Adam is actually full time podcast. Six more Adam. days. Fuck the system. Full time. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be on my resume, top of the list. Oh, dude. I mean, yeah, dude. obviously, obviously. Hit him with like that. Oh, creative entrepreneur, like ex- experience, like building my brand. Or something. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. We're just gonna all need the all need to put like entrepreneur or creator in our in our yeah. bios and in our like instagram bios at this point content creator <laughs> content cre- content <laughs> specialist <laughs> oh, you can be the specialist luke i'll just oh. be i'll just be part of the creative team okay thank you thank nice. you yeah, yeah. Crea- creative lead sam churches <laughs> audio visual geekly boy max bayless <laughs> <laughs> yeah baby yeah baby <laughs> librarian max Max. oh man well, All right, well welcome back to the book club. well yeah welcome back let's uh let's let's just hop right into it with no more shenaniganery uh today for our chapter review we got the big man Sam himself, who's going to run us through what happened. Again, quick, quick reminder. If you haven't read chapters 9 through 12 yet, if you haven't finished out part 1 yet, you're going to have some stuff spoiled. If you still want to listen to it, that's your fault. But Sam, hit us with it. <laughs> Alright, so basically we start out and um, after where we left off, he was sort of, you know, 
talking about his past and the hippie movement and uh, his first experience with drugs and all that stuff. Now we go back to the sort of present time of the book and he is essentially trying to leave the hotel with this huge room service bill that uh, is unpaid and he's trying to just sneak out of the hotel and get out of there so that he doesn't have to pay the bill and he keeps getting hung up because the the convertible isn't being delivered from the from the garage yet and uh, he's reading this newspaper um, about all this stuff that's going on in the world that's not very happy stuff uh, yeah eventually the uh, receptionist for the hotel comes out and talks to him for a while and he's panicking this whole time still on drugs still very much uh, stressed out that he's gonna get caught and um, saddled with this huge bill that he can't pay um, and then he gets a telegram from Dr. Gonzo and uh, basically it says hey you could go to this like giant cop festival about drugs and <laughs> so then he gets that but still decides to leave and then gets in a high-speed chase on the highway and um, ends up in a bar and yeah that's pretty much what those chapters were yeah and just a quick note uh at the very end basically decides he has no other choice in a paranoid frenzy i should add he decides uh <laughs> he has no other logical choice than to go back to vegas high as shit to to, to go hang out with some cops basically to rumble yeah <laughs> to, to, to rumble, rumble, at, the to rumble at the cop convention <laughs> so <laughs> so these four chapters um they were I feel I felt like less less stuff happened, but more like intellectual stuff happened. If you if you're catching my drift, like less yeah. less specific things to talk about, but probably more meat to a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about. But um, but yeah, let's uh let's just get started straight off with uh, with some highs and lows, boys. Who wants to take the mantle this time? Who wants to take point on this expedition? Oh man. I honestly like don't have any prepared, but I will take the point. <laughs> nice. I think An that... unprepared point, man, is what oh, we wow. want. Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. What, this is this is why people listen to the podcast. All right. <laughs> this I sort think of that... fresh off the off the dome, hot just off people... the <laughs> form, fresh Max Bayless unfiltered, <laughs> fresh. Totally didn't just read this like an hour ago. Type shit. <laughs> that'll be my spinoff. That'll be my spinoff show. Max Bayless unfiltered. Unfiltered. So, We've been parked in our parking spot outside our apartment building. (laughs) 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 All right, all right. Okay, so my actual high. um, I think that Luke's little little comment about lots of intellectual stuff was spot on. So I'm going to go with a high that's in no way, shape, or form intellectual, which is the moment when he calls his attorney from this phone booth and he's like having a total meltdown. And his attorney is like, oh, you're supposed to be in Las Vegas. Like, I rented out this this room in this hotel. Like, what are you doing? I'm flying to meet you. And he goes, here I was calling my attorney in a moment of terrible crisis, and the fool was deranged on drugs, a goddamn vegetable. And I was like, bro, you are literally slumped in a phone booth in, like, Baker, California, like, so fucked up. It was just so funny because I just felt like, this is the first, you know, whatever, 10 or 11 chapters we've read. It's just been his attorney and him, he enabling each other and just being a total nightmare tornado. 
but at the same time like constantly blaming one another for what's going on and this moment where he is legitimately on like vegetable level and then he calls his attorney who like gives a pretty reasonable answer and he's like oh this fucking vegetable <laughs> i was like you two are so fucked up it's ridiculous. um so that was my high i think like i think my low i'll go with another kind of light low Oh, listen. Okay, hold on. Let me rephrase. It is not light, but I will go with a I'll go with a low that's a little bit more straightforward, which is, um, the cop pulling him over, him getting out of the car with a beer in his hand, and the cop being like, "You know what? I don't want to do this paperwork. Just get out of here." <laughs> it's like, he's like, "Listen, my jurisdiction stops at mile marker twenty two. Just fuck off." And I was like, "Man." the fucking 70s like what the fuck bro he's like he's got like a full like 12 pack of budweiser in the back seat just like the cop can just see and he's and like, like just 25 grapefruits <laughs> yeah and he's just doing like 145 miles an bro, hour you're forgetting like you're forgetting about the 600 listen, bars of soap like <laughs> yeah, yeah. well bro he's literally like which by the way about this i know which by the way it totally has to have melted in the car you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. that is a hot ass desert, and you're telling me there's like so, that much fucking soap just just chilling. Well, listen, we'll get into soap corner. I just loved, <laughs> I just love how he like is is presumably speeding really badly. The cop finally pulls him over. He's like, "Hey, I've been awake for like eight days. Like, listen, man, it's just I got to get to L.A." And the cop's like, "You know what? This is fine. <laughs> just get out of my jurisdiction." <laughs> it's like okay because i feel like that kind of stuff actually happens in real life like i know for luke and adam and some of our listeners who are big sports fans that like there's always a story of an athlete who gets in trouble for something but then cops are like man i don't know you're the star player so like i'm not really gonna arrest you for this drunk driving or this whatever and then it's like the story comes out you know like two years later it's like oh that cop was like a big fan or whatever so I thought it was just kind of funny. He like busts out his, his press credentials and he's like, Ooh, yeah, listen, listen guy. <laughs> so those are my highs and lows. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Adam, what do you got? Hit us with it. Uh, I'll do my low first. Cause it's super quick. Cause I couldn't really find anything. Um, on page 85, when he's still at the bar, uh, before he's left Vegas, he says, Jesus, bad waves of paranoia, madness, fear, and loathing. Oh, nice. And he didn't say in Las Vegas. <laughs> and I really wanted him to just throw the title. Is this guy a, go- a quote-unquote gonzo journalist or what? You're not going to put the right? full title in? Yeah, bro, it was just is... such a little tease. It was just, this is know, art, blue dude. balls Come over on. here. <laughs> Definitely. You can't you can't expect the artist to completely explain the craft, all right? <laughs> it's just that it's like such a puzzle piece moment, you know, where it's like madness, fear, and loathing, and I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> just stops. But then it just stops. He puts like a yeah. dash, and it's just like, oh, we get his fear and loathing. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> funny. The funny thing on that same page, I was gonna bring this up, is that um you can run but you can't hide where he was like you know screaming waving his fist up at the at the quote-unquote helicopter that was like gonna like swoop down and get him as if he's like actually that important right yeah but the asterisk says 
It's a warning to smack dealers seen on a bulletin board in Boulder, Colorado. So shout out to Colorado again. <laughs> but I just yeah, thought I, like that. I thought that whole sequence was pretty hilarious, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I'll just hop in and I would say that the whole paranoia like like wave was was my high. Um I thought that the way he kind of described it and the way you could tell he was like escalating and his reactions to everything was, you know, even though I'm sure it was actually really fucking terrifying for him in the moment, you know, it was it was really interesting to read and really interesting to like see what he at least perceived his thought process to be like specifically the part where he thinks he sees the hitchhiker from when they were first going oh my god and and he's like oh my fucking god this hitchhiker's totally gonna fucking run and tell everybody in this town and like you know baker's not big baker's not big but it's not like you know it's it's not like super small you know what i mean it's not like this guy in 30 minutes could tell everybody who needs to know in town that there's this you know crazy guy who he literally hitched a ride with once right but then also the fact that like this cop lets him off the fucking hook right and he's just like just get the fuck out of my jurisdiction basically and for some reason in his mind he's like wait a second this dude's just laying a trap for me even further outside of his jurisdiction (laughs) he's gonna be waiting for me on the other side and i just thought that that like that whole sequence was just it was just hilarious and pretty entertaining to to be to be like a part of you know yeah i'll piggyback off of that and uh (laughs) i found it really funny how like at the beginning of this section that we started reading he was like Dude, I'm done with Las Vegas. I am just like burnt out and so tired. I haven't slept. I like have have basically ran as far as I could run in Las Vegas. And I don't think I could survive another like minute in the town. And then like the only conclusion to this like panic filled, just like cop pulling you over with all these drugs and he still gets away. His only conclusion is like, well, Better just turn around, go back to Las Vegas, and just like run it back for literally part two. And I'm like, this is not gonna go well. Like, I know, dude. <laughs> Bro, I this... love that moment, like when you're talking about Luke with the the hitchhiker, where he's like, the quote from the book is is he's like, this goddamn rotten kid slash hitchhiker would have me hunted down like a beast if I stayed. And it's like, bro, what the fuck? You think he cares? Like, <laughs> fuck out of here. Fuck about you. It's so funny, dude. Yeah, no, I love it. I also love the part where there was something about like, oh my God, what if the cop and the kid somehow meet up and then they get their stories together? I'm so fucked. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. It reminds me so much of like when you had your first beer, which assuming for most Americans is when you're underage because drinking age is ridiculously high. And like, I think it's, I just remember those early days where you have one beer and you're like, oh dude, the cops are going to be out looking for us. Like they'll smell it on my breath. Like this is going to be so crazy. And it's just like, as a cop, you're probably like literal last priority is like, like a 17 year old kid like having a pbr it's just like just i'll just call your mom right now and tell her to come pick your ass up like (laughs) i just he's giving me shades of that where it's like obviously he has a lot of actual drugs but just that idea of like 
this cop left me off let me off the hook now to set it up later and he'll team up with this other kid that i happen to know and then the whole town will kill me. it's like whoa, whoa dude let's <laughs> just like take a deep breath you know yeah he, that's something he's totally capable of doing at that moment you know just taking a deep breath and thinking about things <laughs> rationally right <laughs> uh yeah that was that was just a fun sequence so sam did you give us your high there did you hop in i the think high we or? skipped adam's high also we oh, well, oh yeah adam, adam I, low, right? I apologize yeah luke skipped my high not max and sam <laughs> Yeah, nice. Yeah, Team Max, Sam, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> team up on it. <laughs> it's, it's do all you good. know how much okay. I do for you? <laughs> <laughs> all right, my high was uh, pretty early on. I really loved the uh, the whole sequence with the uh, telegraph telegram that he received um, <laughs> when he's like about to get ready to leave the hotel. Like one of the bellboys comes up to him with an urgent speed letter. And what I really liked about the telegram was that uh, it's from Hunter S. Thompson, and it's to Raoul Duke, who was that, which was the name that he used to check into the hotel. So it, it's like creating this whole ambiguity of like, who is our main character? Like, is this a true story or like? It, it's just like really blurring the lines there, um, and we don't know like within the story, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, is his real name Hunter S. Thompson or is his real name Duke and I just thought that was a cool, like, fourth wall breaking moment. Yeah. No, I, I, I really thought that was cool, too. I kind of interpreted it as he's got, like, multiple multiple personalities, kind of, you know? And it's like his his kind of out-of-control, drug-fueled self is the Raul Duke, right? But then the more... And, and I use the word more because I'm not sure if Hunter S. Thompson was ever really, like, an organized-type guy, but the more, like... You know, he has like a, he's smart, right? He has a doctorate in journalism. He's obviously very talented at what he does and has his stuff together, at least to some extent, to like be able to do that. But there's also this other side of him that just gets fucked up on ether in Las Vegas for like three days straight and then spends way too much money and then tries to run away, you know? So I thought that that was, that was a pretty cool moment too. Yeah, I like that too. Definitely. Cool. Wait, was that your high, Adam? I'm sorry. Or, or your low? Yeah, that was my high. Okay. <laughs> I'm just. I'm on ether now. <laughs> I don't know what's high and what's low. Well, we know what Max is. Who's paying attention to me today? <laughs> I feel like this book more than the other books we've read, and obviously this is just for you three since the audience does not know uh, the other books we've read. But it's like. I feel like this book is the highs and lows are just so blurred that it could they could really be either or because it's just like totally about how you feel at the moment when you're reading it um because like that quote about um that you read at the beginning adam of like my car being so full of felonies i can't even look at it for me is like a high point of the book where i'm like oh my god that's funny and also like oh fuck man like your life is fucked up right now (laughs) so i just like that yeah yeah, I was definitely getting like a little stressed out on his behalf throughout the whole paranoia. Totally. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, it was like part of the reason I thought that that was such a high point in the book was because of how well he encaptured that feeling. You know, like there's kind of there's kind of hilarious stuff going on, but 
you are still like stressed out about it because it's like hey this is <laughs> this is actually yeah. like what he's doing is fucked up right on like a bunch of different levels and i i really shouldn't be rooting for him but you know with all the other crazy stuff that's happened in the book I'm, i am kind of just like yeah like just do more crazy stuff and like it is really poetic that he's going back to vegas to do the drug convention thing and like i'm for it let's go at this point so it's yeah. it's really interesting how definitely. how those lines are definitely blurred like max said yeah so. he does a, he does he just does a great job of like describing a bad trip for sure to the point yeah. where like i emphasize so empathize so much where i'm like now anxious after reading this chapter <laughs> totally yeah. well dude yeah. that's like the, exactly like what i was saying about you have your first beer or you smoke your first joint or whatever and then you're like oh my god like the cops are gonna find out because like i smell like weed so you go to the grocery store you're like oh they're gonna call the cops on me like for sure and, and then you grow up and you're like wow i could literally not give a single shit if you smell like weed and you're like i like working at the library librarian version of me it's like every other fucking person that came to get a library card was definitely like just like a little high i mean it, granted it was colorado but it's like in no alternate reality would i just call the cops because somebody smelled like weed or something you know and it's just <laughs> yeah. funny like and he does such a good job just like you two said of writing that into the book and making you as a reader feel like as ridiculous as his claims are about the cops you're like I mean, fuck, maybe, dude. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, like, I think a testament to uh, the relatability of, of like, those thoughts and, and that sort of freak out that's happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever, I'd ever take it seriously enough to actually, you know, try to drift a red convertible around a four-leaf <laughs> intersection going in, like, a hundo, but... Uh... <laughs> It's definitely it seems like a flawless move if you don't have a beer. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, as long as I'm not drunk driving, then it's true. I love how he doesn't know it, it until asserts, he gets out. It asserts dominance over the situation, you know, psychologically. <laughs> right. I loved, I loved how he put it as the cop mind hyphenated. The cop <laughs> mind, dude. Like, oh my cop god, mind. So dude, the cop mind. Yeah. They'll respect the other, it. The thing about that comment too is like, obviously, obviously you take it as like humorous, right? But to some extent he probably does know how to deal with cops at this point because i'm guessing he's like had a, had a fair amount of run-ins you know he's yeah. had like a lot of times where he's had to talk himself out of something so you know he might actually know a thing or two we're not he does yeah. say just really quickly the book club boys do not condone any of the actions taken yeah, by hunter s thompson in this book please sponsor us <laughs> The book club boys slash please don't drink and drive the podcast. <laughs> he does mention, I'm pretty sure, in one of the earlier chapters that he spent some time in the Carson City prison for something that he doesn't elaborate on. So you're definitely right about him like having some run-ins with the, the law, as it were. Yeah, I think I think he mentioned knowing like the Carson City prison warden or something like that. Yeah, he wrote a story it. for him, I think. And yeah. then never published it, which I thought was really funny also. He's like, for reasons of my own, he didn't publish it. And he's <laughs> like, I could just totally picture him being like, you know what? I really just don't want to give these guys a voice on any platform that has my name on it. And he's just like, nope, sorry, no no article this time. And he, yeah, like, all he had to do was just rewrite the intro. And he's like, 
nope, sorry, I won't do it. And everybody that he interviewed is like, hey, where's the article? And he's like, didn't do it. <laughs> like, what? The what? boss man Why? told me not to, so whatever. I yeah. love that description that he gave where he's like, how am I supposed to describe to inmates the like mechanisms of this massive bureaucratic machine that doesn't want me to do what I want to do? I'm not going to not do what I don't what I want to do. Yeah. This is my piece. Exactly. <laughs> That was just, that was such a, that was another high point for me, for sure. But uh, speaking mm. of highs and lows, Sam. I think my high was on our copy on page 87. <clears throat> and it was when he's kind of, uh, yeah, he's, he's like praying, basically. And he's in full freak out. And it's kind of interesting because he's praying, but he knows that like, there's there's this really complicated sort of like undertone of like christian culture in america too and just like what it means to be like knowingly a sinner and also be sort of like surrounded by this like christian culture and i'll just read the quote where he um let's see he's praying and he's just like just give me five more high speed hours before you bring the hammer down just let me get rid of this goddamn car and off this horrible desert which is not really a hell of a lot to ask, Lord, because the final incredible truth is that I am not guilty. All I did was take your gibberish seriously, and do you see where it got me? The, my primitive Christian instincts have made me a criminal. Um, and then at the end, <laughs> which is the part that's definitely the high of my high, he says, you'd better take care of me, Lord, because if you don't, you're going to have me on your hands. <laughs> it's yeah, like, dude. He's kind of threatening God that like if he doesn't you know, save him, that he's going to die somehow and then end up in heaven. And God's <laughs> just going to be like so overwhelmed with this personality like, oh, of Hunter S. Thompson that he's going to be like regret taking him off of the earth. <laughs> Which is just like so funny to me because yeah. I, I could so actually see that like happening. And, yeah. Uh, but but it also has like that sort of <clears throat> like thing where he's kind of discussing what it means to to sort of like listen literally to um, some of the things that are in like the sort of Christian uh, like I guess just in the in the culture of it and just kind of like how he feels about that where you know he says it's gibberish but he's also still praying at the same time so it's kind of like cognitive dissonance going on sure but yeah i really like that part yeah that was yeah. definitely to me like the bargaining stage yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure you know he was like because it's pretty clear from from how i read it that uh, you know hunter s thompson's not exactly a uh, a religious type and that doesn't necessarily surprise me <laughs> but but I kind of took it as, and I still loved the quote, and I thought it was, like, fucking awesome and, like, hilarious. I kind of took it that, like, he's bargaining, and then, you know, he starts off by saying that, you know, oh, God, you know, I'm so guilty, I'm so guilty, but really, this is your fucking fault, God. Like, you <laughs> totally. put me here, and you put me in this situation. All I did was do what my mind wanted me to do, and you made my mind want to do what my mind wants to do, so... Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, like... It made me think I, so much of the attorney thing where it's like, even when he's in this shit, he's like, this fucking guy. And he's like, now just doing that with God where he's like, listen, dude, this is your problem, bro. And like, I'm about to come up there and give you some of my business. <laughs> it's just like, so yeah, he, he definitely struggles taking responsibility. I think that's something that we oh, yeah. can pretty easily say 
about this character, <laughs> which in some ways is That's relatable. Fair. That's you fair. Know? <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did find that quote just super hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm coming up yeah. there, and it's gonna be a mess. It's a mess down here. Think about me on like heavenly drugs. <laughs> yeah, bro, that's so funny. Oh fuck! I also love. I, the... I feel like he's been in that section. He he contradicts himself because he says I'm not guilty, but then he says I'm a criminal. So it's just this weird back and forth. I feel like he's been doing that a lot or just like changing his mind too because early on the uh, the red convertible was like this awesome flashy thing and now he's like afraid of how flashy it is because it draws attention. So mm. I think he's, he seems like he contradicts or changes his mind a lot. Do yeah, you guys totally. have real quick, does, did we do everybody's highs and lows? I think Sam I think so. and I still have our low points left. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm going to bookmark what you just said, Adam, and then you two can do your lows. All right, Sam, do you want to start off or should I hit it? Uh, Go ahead, Luke. Yeah, my low was, um, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird because I, I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really good part of the book, but it just made me feel bad, basically, right? (laughs) And that's more why it was my low than like any, anything from a literary sense, right? But it was when it was it was when he was in the lobby of the hotel trying to run away and like he was reading through the newspaper and it was like this huge just like he just basically backhands the reader with all this reality where it's like, fuck, dude, like people are dying of heroin overdoses slash potentially murders, depending on like what happened with that 19 year old girl. And like then it's like fuck dude all these gis from vietnam are coming back and like overdosing on drugs because of ptsd and we don't even know what ptsd is at this point and like they're they're calling asian people like i'm not going to use the word because it's i feel like it's pretty fucking insensitive but like like you know they're they're using like racial like slurs for asian people even when they're talking about like muhammad ali not wanting to go kill people in Vietnam, you know, and how he might have to be locked up for five years just because, you know, he didn't want to go and be a part of a war that he doesn't agree with. So I just like, there's a lot of like kind of whimsical, crazy, like batshit crazy stuff that happens in this book, right? Like the cop thing, like the circus circus whole debacle that they got into, right? And then every once in a while, he just kind of comes in and like, you know, wake up like, you know, this is and I, and I feel like that's that's kind of analogous to how a lot of Americans live our lives because, you know, we're we're still at war right now. We've been at war for basically all of our entire lives. Right. And that's something that we don't. I don't like ever really think about, I think about that like shit, once a right? year. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh fuck, yeah. and I'm like, damn, this is crazy, and then I just fuck off back to like whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, and it's like, there's all this really serious stuff going on around us, but there's still like this whole American like ideal thing where it's like we're the greatest country on earth, and like we have all the things, and if you work hard, you can get all the things, and you should want all the things because that's capitalism, but like ultimately there's still all this like really serious stuff going on no matter how much we divert ourselves from it and that doesn't mean that like 
I don't know. It it just feels like not noticing it is it's just like like perpetuates the problem and everything too. Not to get too soapboxy, but I, that just like that just hit kind of different throughout like the whole scope of the book to me. Those those quick news clippings, and I thought that those were really it was a really cool sequence, but a real a real bummer i was like god i have to think now dude like for real <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i definitely noticed that that was sort of the moment where like the rest of the world comes crashing in around him while he's like beginning to freak out about his immediate surroundings too and i think it also smacked me in the face as the reader because it really came back to what we were talking about before we started the book where it's like a, a piece of like a historical context and like what exactly is going on at that moment that he's in that hotel. And it kind of like smacked me in the face with that too, where it's like, <clears throat> oh yeah, he's in Vegas doing all this stuff and Vietnam is still happening and has been happening since he sort of was in the, the hippie movement. And sort of, I feel like that kind of sums up a lot of the feelings during the time too, is like, wait, this thing is still going on. Kind of like what you were saying about us being at war is like, wait that's that's still happening yeah i thought we had dealt with that but totally yeah yeah and i i I feel like also part of the reason it was so like so poignant at the at the moment when i read it is because like the protagonist well we can just call him duke i guess like duke does not he never thinks about other people but then this was like one of the very few times in the book so far that he's actually thought about like things that are tangibly happening to other people. And like, I think that was, that was a really big switch for me. Right. And, and even if it was, even if it was kind of in the midst of his own shit going on that like, let's be honest, he was more worried about his own shit. Cause I think that's kind of how, how the character is written and how it's supposed to be. But it was just definitely weird to be like, oh, there are other people who are having stuff going on that's not like gallivanting across Vegas and all these like problems that he's literally just creating for himself, you know? Totally. Well, and the result of the whole like moment of him reading the news is he's like, oh man, I feel great now. <laughs> it's like he like feels better after he's like read the shitty news, which I can't say happens to me, but I do understand kind of the points being made where it's all about perspective and it's like him waiting for his car and the fear of getting arrested is like, at least he's not dying in Vietnam or at least he's not overdosing on heroin. So like, that was interesting for sure. I kind of read that part as he's like comparing himself to these other criminals and saying, oh, I'm not nearly as bad as these people. I'm just like, I just like to do drugs for fun. I'm not a murderer or like I'm not overdosing on drugs. So I'm not as bad as these people. That was kind of why I thought he felt better afterwards is that like he's kind of using their, these stories to justify his own shitty behavior. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Mm. Yeah. And that was, and, and that was another interesting part of it too, because it's like, even in this moment when he's faced with all of this, like real stuff that's going on and like he, he kind of has almost an instant of thinking about, what's happening to other people but then just instantly turns it back on himself again right where he's just like no dude i'm not that bad let's totally yeah yeah he's a really selfish character he's just like all about himself and like 
I would I would say that that's just that's kind of my low was um, him kind of leaving the uh, hotel lobby and like the people working there with this like huge bill and like he's put the, these people through like so much already and like I just picture the cleaning ladies like trying to deal with this guy when he's like or like his attorney where he's like I just need all these soaps and you're like why why do you need so many soaps and he's like I just yeah. need them and he's all freaking out as sweaty and gross looking and you're like alright I guess I'll give you like a hundred soaps or whatever I need and then, more and then they just check out and don't pay for any of it and I'm like Man, I just feel bad for all the people that are totally. working there and like have to that have to deal with this this guy just like just just wrecking their hotel. And I was like, yeah, that was my low. I just a moment of empathy for the hotel workers. <laughs> this is a maid, dude. And like later at the I think the last chapter when he's freaking out in Baker, he like has a, a couple of comments about the maids where he's like, oh yeah, they would totally team up against me and like port me. And he's like. Our guy, like, yeah. we've talked about the racial element quite a bit, and there's, like, some racism in these chapters about his attorney. But, like, there's also a total, like, classist thing where the employee, the hotel employees are, like, meaningless to him, and they only serve to be, like, a potential danger to reporting him. And it's, like, I mean, even the cop, to some degree, is, like, just an, just an object where he's, like, ah, oh, fuck, like, we're worried, worried about this, but I don't give a shit about this person at all. Um... I think that's a, a great low. It's just a, a sort of gen, an overarching selfishness that is pervading this entire section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just like talk about how serendipitously I feel like the sections were split up? You know, I'd like to say we did it professionally, but I think like the flow of the book, we've had like three pretty distinct sections so far in this first oh, book. Yeah. yeah. You know, this first part where there was like, you know, it's the beginning where they're getting to Vegas. They're having a fucking sick ass time. They're in a nice car, dude. They're living the high life. And then the second part is like the come down, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, shit's getting real now. Like, there's my attorney's a, suicidal. Yeah, yeah <laughs> suicidal slash potentially homicidal, depending on if he could listen to his song or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then and then there's like this other part where it's like basically just selfishly like running away from consequences, right? Like that's like what really these four chapters are is like being faced with responsibility for what you've done in the past, you know, eight chapters that we've read and just being like, yeah, so that's not happening. <laughs> like <laughs> I am out. So I thought that was pretty that was pretty interesting too. I wanted to circle back to what adam said way earlier um real quick i just wanted to mention uh i totally agree luke like it's been split up quite nicely for us and i was honestly i'd heard about this book quite a bit so i was kind of expecting a lot and the first like eight chapters i was kind of like man i want i want some commentary like i want some more like this is why america sucks or this is why america is great or something and i feel like i've gotten a lot more of that in the last couple of chapters it's been a little bit like, in, in my personal opinion, like a little bit of a choppy sort of like, he just goes from like straight up just like, hey, here's me, Hunter S. Thompson, telling you how I feel versus the character versus a mix between the two. But one thing that Adam mentioned way back was the car. And he talked a little bit about like how the car starts out as this great object for them. And it's like, 
a sick ride and they laugh that the hitchhiker sees cars like this everywhere but he's never ridden in one which i thought was like a great little health wealth inequality commentary and i was like ow <laughs> right to the right to my wallet and my heart and what i just wanted to i guess pose the question to you guys was what did you think about the the, the car because i feel like the car has been like this weird constant in the book so far and at least for me the car has kind of represented like his flashy lifestyle where it's it's just like something that he sees and he starts out liking it and then it becomes this like almost obelisk of like excess and consumption and like consumerism that is like weighing him down and is making him obvious to everybody else where it's like oh he drives a nice car it's convertible so like you can see literally see the beer and the drugs in it which i think is like pretty funny (laughs) and i also think it's kind of a funny little commentary on like wealthy people that do drugs and do like they're just not at the same risk of getting pulled over or getting actually can like arrested or convicted as poor people are um but what i just thought of when we were talking about it was like to me the convertible and the way that he leaves the room is almost like this commentary on like debt in america where everybody is living under some sort of debt ceiling and for him it's like he has this super cool car and all these drugs but like car is a rental he doesn't own the car and he's like constantly thinking about that and it's like oh i gotta get rid of it or like man i can't wait to trade this in for this like nice cadillac this white cadillac or like he leaves the hotel room he owes all this money to them and they're gonna come after him and i was like man that seems like such an such a like a intertwined part of being an american is like living in excess getting the flashy stuff but then also like having a huge amount of debt behind you (laughs) that you're kind of always running away from and like you trade in your new lease for like the newest truck but like you still owe 80 grand on it but it's like whatever dude i've got sirius xm and it's like and i just (laughs) i felt like this i got sirius xm i can listen to bc 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 club boys for those of you didn't know um (laughs) but yeah i thought it was i thought that the car represented this like the the consumer element of america and the debt and that whole world um and i would like to pose the question to you boys what you thought about it yeah i i think that's a really good way to put it and i would also add i feel like the way that a lot of the commentary for, for coming from this book to me is coming through it, it it's like hunter s thompson isn't actually like saying the things in like a narratorial voice it's more just like satirical how the characters are going through their life right so on top of the whole debt thing this idea of like american excess and kind of having like a false like a facade right where we all want to appear a certain way and like appear like we have money or yada 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 but like behind it there's nothing behind it right like like you were saying max he drives a fancy car he doesn't own the car right he's living this high life he's not actually paying for it and then he has no intention to pay for it right so it's like it's like these american ideals that we have are they're kind of you don't see the whole picture right even even for like celebrities or wealthy people like you don't you don't see the whole picture of what that, that entails and like how you know realistically in our society the main way to get rich is to fuck over lots of people a lot of the time right and it's like 
I, I feel like the, the image of the car, it's like, oh yeah, like I want to attain that. But then once you get there, you realize how kind of, how kind of dirty everything is, right? And this might just be me telling myself that because I don't have any money. <laughs> and like, I want it to be dirty for, for sure. rich. But like, I, I think that's the point. That's at least part of the point that he's trying to make along with like commentary on being in debt because, you know, Americans are addicted to debt. Right, like we go into debt for everything, right? For school, our fucking country's in debt for houses. The intergalactic debt collecting agency, because like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Area fifty one was actually us, like, just contacting some like loan dealers. Yeah, some loan sharks. Yeah, like outer space. space Your planet's how poor? (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) You guys only have that much gold. But but yeah no I I think Max that's a that's a really good point and I would just add that I think it's just more more culture like the American ideals in general is kind of how I saw that but I'd be really interested to hear what what you guys think about that. Have you guys uh, heard the the joke or the meme? America is a third world country with a Gucci Gucci belt on. I don't think so. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good awesome. one. No. Yeah, you guys sense. just made me think of that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, what do you think about the car? I don't know. Um I th- I, th- I thought it was just like really interesting how it, how it the symbolism of the car switched from this like symbol of the American dream and freedom and, you know, flashyism to to being this burden on him. And then there was also this like introduction of a white Cadillac that we haven't seen yet, but the attorney has set up a new rental car so it's like it seemed like this car was almost a character in the book and like now we might be losing it mm. um so i'm yeah. interested to see where it goes yeah it's like the part one car and then the the caddies yeah the car. <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude car. from red to white our boys on the redemption arc yeah if well, they if they actually get rid of the red convertible and nothing has like seriously happened to it I'm going to be very surprised and a little bit relieved, but also kind of disappointed that I didn't get some yeah. kind of like a giant explosion thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say kind of going off of what you guys said about like the car and the American dream and just like, just how Americans are addicted to debt. Americans are also addicted to cars and just like, that's, that's probably one of the biggest sort of icons of the American dream is like the fancy car and like, um, car like I f- I really think of it as like a 1950s American dream sort of definition, and how like all these people buy cars so that they can live in the suburbs and like commute to work and drive their cars to work, and like I think that it's kind of mirrored in in that way in the story too for uh for Duke or Hunter S. Thompson, and it's kind of like it's like his way to escape the city but it's also like holding him back because it's so flashy and like it's also it's kind of like like you move to the suburbs so then it you want a car but you also need a car and it's kind of like holding you back you have to pay for the car find like you know maintenance on the car and it's kind of like this just having a car in general I know that me and Adam don't have cars, so we're kind of like, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> it's like, it's interesting from our perspective, like 
you have to measure the sort of like pros and cons of having it but also like there's the the pros the biggest one is just being like well you're an american you should have a car because you how are you going to get to the mall or whatever or like from your house yeah, to yeah. anywhere else because like <laughs> the, the whole culture is based off of cars yeah yes dude. not just I the culture but to... like the way that you know our cities are built and you know mm-hmm. the way to get between cities is built for cars it's not really built for other modes of transportation mm-hmm. yeah definitely and just for the record i was gonna i i don't own a, i don't own a car just because it's the american thing i own a car because it's very practical to put all my stuff in nice <laughs> there we go baby which nice. is totally an american ideal baby let's go yep. <laughs> buy more stuff buy a car so you can let's put your it. stuff in the car yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, nice nice baby. Uh, just just a quick hop in on um what you guys were talking about with the car switch too i feel like the there's like a symbolism there for you know he's had this this red convertible which he was super super fucking excited about like could not stop talking about how pristine and epic this thing is right cruising down the highway heading to vegas baby (laughs) and now after literally like three days he's like this thing fucking sucks i need to get rid of this fucking thing and yeah. get a white Cadillac baby cruising around town <laughs> in a so white Caddy, all sick. And I think that that really, like, that really is an American thing, you know? And, and I guess maybe I shouldn't just say American thing. Maybe it's a more universally human thing where it's like we get, we get all caught up in the shiny, you know? We, mm-hmm. We're like, hey, I'm kind of... Like, I bought this new thing. Like, I got a new computer. It's pretty sick. And then the other new computer comes out, and you're instantly like, what the fuck? My computer sucks, dude. Like, yeah, and, totally. and it's just such a, it, it, it's at least to to us, I'm pretty sure, like, at least us four being, you know, growing up in the U.S. and living, you know, in the U.S. basically exclusively, it's like, it's kind of ingrained that you should always want, like, the new, like, flashy thing in a lot of ways, even though it's like, you know that that car from 2002 still runs good like why do you yeah. why do you want one of the new cars so i i just thought that that was an interesting thing that that i didn't think about when i was reading so thank you guys for helping me just oh, enlighten look myself at, you know look at that book club boys that's what we're Wholesome here edition. and that's why you should tell your friends about the book club boys <laughs> So yeah, you can get a new friends. perspective on a book that you might or might not enjoy, but at least you'll have fun listening to us uh, geek out about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, speaking of uh, cars and how I want to have the red Cadillac uh, sort of be engulfed in a ball of fire, I legitimately saw a car explode at work the other day. What? No way. Whoa. Yeah, yesterday. Like at yesterday. DIA? No, so we weren't at DIA. We okay. were at this person's house in like North Denver, and we were up on the roof, um, working away. And we hear like this pop, and we turn around, and this car that was parked in the alleyway literally just explodes and turns into a giant fireball. And like our That's one of so our coworkers crazy. calls nine one one and like gets the fire truck down there. But we're watching this for like I have videos I have to show you guys. But like we're watching this for probably half an hour, and it's like getting bigger and there's like pops and sizzles of like tires popping and like gasoline exploding and stuff and like the (laughs) fence that it's parked next to burns like completely down the telephone pole that it's near is burning and like the shed that it's near is burning (laughs) and like the (laughs) fireman showed up pretty quickly 
but and like we saw him hose it down and like you know we made a joke because they like popped the hood and we're like all right let's see what's going on here pop the hood. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it was insane <laughs> we we're just watching it we're like what like this is just this is just That's like so happening funny. in front of us and uh the best part is that it was a uh it was a trail blazer oh, <laughs> oh nice, oh. nice. <laughs> yeah, why <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even. Was that was that a real story, oh or did you just God. try to no. set up? Just, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'd have way more respect for you if it was, if it was a full-on setup. Knocking him down. <laughs> on, no, I'll show you the videos. It was insane. That's insane. Please tell me you guys like got off the roof while that was happening. No, we watched it. Like, nope. <laughs> Boss man said no can do. <laughs> Nope. Gotta get these panels up there. These, these solar panels aren't gonna install themselves, baby. That's yeah, the firefighters oh, came and like they were all just kinda like hanging out and the fire was out and my boss was like, Alright, back to it. Yeah. <laughs> show's that, over, show's over. Show's over. That is oh, insane, dude. So yeah, I wanna see that in book form with the red. Yeah, dude, that'd yeah, be I, I definitely wanna see that. Um yeah, I think we we're just about we're just about oot time, as they say up north. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, please don't excuse me. <laughs> and one, I just, one more thing I wanted to add real quick um, is that I love thus far in the book how he talks about roads a lot. And there's a part where he's like, oh, there's only one road into Vegas, one road out. There's no, you can't go around Vegas. You have to go through it. And um all of his talk about like literally every time he talks about driving the car he's like doing a hundred and god knows how fast baby super drunk at the wheel and i was like man if that isn't a little metaphor for american life where it's just like you got to get behind the wheel you got to go as fast as you can no matter how reckless it is because you have to succeed like you have to invest all your savings in the game stop you have to <laughs> do whatever it is to succeed and to get ahead like if you have to take somebody else's job and fuck them over, you do it because then you can get the convertible and then you can be the drunk driving nightmare on the roads. You know what I mean? And it's like, I like the way he phrases it where there's like, he, he always acts like there's literally no alternative. He's like, well, I have to go super fast through the desert because like I hate the desert and then I can get rid of the car. Like I have to, there's no other option. Or it's like, I don't know. I just, I just like the way that he, he makes it seem like, his only choice is to just like keep following his worst instincts all the way through the book so far. And almost all of them happen behind the wheel at some point, which like adds an additional layer of like, man, this shit's real fucked. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think that was really well put. One last thing that I would like to throw in there before the end to end on a lighter note. Um, (laughs) Best illustration in the book Page 79 on our copies is my oh, dude yes. Duke creeping around. <laughs> to be so funny, bro. In his in his, you know, festive shirt, in his nice bowling shoes, and his suitcase, like literally dripping ether. Um, I don't even know what else is like coming out of it, but I would just really like I just had to say that because we mentioned it before the show. It's such a freaking awesome little drawing, dude. That's so cool. It really is, right? Only yeah, rivals only it. by the part two drawing, which is some uh, is a cheeky surprise for those of you that have the book. <laughs> it's it's not just cheeky; it's the other side too. 
Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that when I first looked at it. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. Well, that's a penis. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening, everybody. Read the next four chapters. That's it for me. <laughs> yep. Just, just a reminder on the assignment oh, uh, chapters God. one through four of part two. That's right. We finished the first part of the book. We are fucking yes. cruising. Look We're full flown. Hey, Look at, f- look at us. Who thought we made it here? Fully blown, literate gentlemen. Halfway through a book. Look at us. We're so intellectuals. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if, uh, if you guys don't have anything else, then uh, I guess we'll just sign off. No, Peace sir. out. We're reading. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Wait, reading. Whoa. Through, <laughs> through chapter four. You will close your book when you see chapter five on the page. You will close your book and listen to the next podcast. Okay, that's all. That was mostly just for me, Thanks, not Max. for you guys. But I just yeah, it's saying, really, saying it really for our benefit, not the listeners' benefit. Yeah, I got you. It's we read four chapters every time. It shouldn't be this hard. But four or eight, who knows? I certainly don't. We're like part two. Oh my god, it starts at one. Oh, honestly, that, you just said that, Luke, and I was like, oh, this this guy doesn't even know this is our fourth podcast. And then I looked, and I was like, oh, I see that the chapters reset after part two. So turns out I'm the idiot. <laughs> well, on that note. We'll sign off. Wait, wait, wait. One last thing. No, I'm <laughs> Peace out. Got him. <laughs>